This is Pastor Jason Campbell at Perryville First Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast as we seek to proclaim the name of Christ and bring glory to God through the preaching of His Word. You know, from time to time when uploading our content, we find the occasional glitch caused by our equipment. Most of the time, those glitches are not critical to understand the overall content of the message, but today's message is different. For whatever reason, our equipment omitted part of my introduction and, of course, the reading of the key text. So I want to make sure that you know where we are as we study the Word of God today. Today, we are talking about living unashamed. So if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to join me as I read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, listen in as we seek wisdom from the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 says this, So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, because I know the one I have believed in, and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me, until that day. Father, I pray that this morning that, that, that you would speak to us, God, that you would help us to understand why it is so important for us to live unashamed of the gospel. Father, give us a perspective on that here this morning. We pray, God, that you would be glorified here this morning. In all things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So we're going to talk about being unashamed, unashamed in 2020, unashamed in this decade, unashamed in the days ahead. Many of you are familiar with what happened last week already. I know some, some folks have been talking about it, what happened in the Church of Christ congregation in Texas uh, last Sunday. Uh, I know uh, here at, at uh, First Baptist Perryville, we gathered together, and it was our prayer to end the decade, uh, taking the Lord's Supper together, and we were worshiping the Lord together. At the same time, many churches all over uh, the United States and probably all over the world were doing similar things. The Church of Christ in Texas was taking what we call the Lord's Supper. They call it communion. They do it every week in the Church of Christ, but they were in the process of doing that when when a gunman stood up and began to, uh, uh, began to attack the congregation, uh, two people were, uh, were killed after this man opened fire. And, um, we good? I heard some feedback. All right. Uh, you know, as I think about that, I, I thank God for, for the men who were there that were trained and ready and, and stood to defend the congregation. 
I'm so thankful for them. I, 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 but I cannot imagine how the family members are feeling. The ones that, 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 that their, their grandfather or their fathers, uh, that they, they have lost a loved one in a tragic event, something that happened somewhere like a church. And I cannot imagine how, uh, how terrifying, how, how, how life-altering that would have been, not only to have went through that, but to have witnessed it. And as a congregation, to see such evil affect a community in such, uh, such a horrific way. Uh, you know, uh, Paul talks about in this passage, he talks about uh, not being ashamed of the gospel, but instead sharing in the suffering. You know, last week, those, those men in that congregation, they knew and understand today the suffering that you can go through as a believer of Christ. But, you know, you and I, we don't, we don't really understand suffering. I mean, uh, there will be times, maybe at times in our lives, when we go through something really hard, but the average person does not experience suffering the way that Paul was experiencing suffering. Paul was in prison for doing the right thing. He was in chains. He was, he was uh, abused and mistreated all because he, he didn't commit a crime. It was because he was doing what God told him to do. But you and I, we get upset when our iPhone loses signal, you know? We get upset. If you're like me, I get frustrated when I go into the Dollar General and my phone won't work, okay? Because I, I forget what Leah told me to get and I can't call her, right? We think, oh man, I'm, I'm suffering. You know, we think we're suffering like when we went on vacation a few weeks ago and our car broke down while we were on vacation on a weekend and we couldn't get it fixed because the warranty people were not available. And so, you know, we had to call some audibles and figure it out. But really, that was, that was a, a, a kink in, uh, in our plans, but it wasn't really suffering, you know. This morning when I came in here, you can see our media is not working correctly. I don't know, everybody talked about Y2K. This is like, you know, 2K20. I don't know what happened, but it was working fine last week, and I walked in here today, and it is just acting all kinds of crazy, and I just don't have time to deal with it, okay? And, and that's frustrating, but, man, it's not suffering. We don't have any idea what suffering is about. Maybe if you've been through some really dark days, or maybe if you deal with some really heavy things, like, like you're a person that is, is dealing with a chronic illness or chronic pain, or maybe you're somebody that has been through cancer or one of those diseases you've had to fight or you have a child that is sick a pastor friend of mine in Mount Vernon he, he found out that, that his, his little girl was diagnosed with leukemia over Christmas holidays and so they're, they're, uh, they're, they're beginning that fight against it and God has been so good to them thus far but man I cannot imagine the suffering as a parent, the suffering as a child having to go through those things you and I, we just don't really, most of us, understand suffering. Certainly not on an everyday basis. But Paul says to share in his suffering. You know, uh, 
we live in a world where uh, we're really in a country in an environment where, where on our best days, or on our worst days, excuse me, on our worst days, things really aren't that bad compared to the way things are all over the world. And so when Paul says to share in suffering for the sake of the gospel, he also says in verse 8, verse 9 here, he says to rely on the power of God. He says at the end of verse, uh, verse 8, he says, instead share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Listen, one of the ways that you will share in the suffering is to live unashamed of the gospel. Paul says, don't be ashamed of your testimony of Christ. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner. Listen, let me ask you something this morning, folks. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Are you ashamed of it? You say, well, the church answer is no. And, and, and that's great. I, I hope that you have enough theological understanding to, to, to be able to say, I shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. But when you peel away all of the churchiness and all of the stuff deep down in your heart, I want you to ask yourself the question, am I ashamed of the gospel? What is that answer? Are you living unashamed? See, here's the deal. People typically don't hide the things that they are unashamed of. They typically only hide the things that they, that, that, that they don't want people to see. The, people, the things they don't want people to see often are the things that they're ashamed of. They hide, the, you know, you think about your sins or your, your personality defects, the, all those things, you know. You don't, you, you don't want those things just out in the public, do you? But, but the, the tragic thing is, is that we treat our faith a lot like that. I mean, uh, whenever, uh, uh, whenever bad things happen in life, uh, bad things happen in this world, we have, uh, we have a world in which uh, Christians, people who say that they love Jesus, are not living in Christ. That they say that they love Jesus when it comes to big social issues like abortion or what is marriage or gender issues, and boy, we're vocal about that. And we probably ought to be in a loving way. But but how many of those people are still are, are actually telling folks about the saving power of Jesus? How many of those people are sharing the gospel? How many of those people are saying, hey, let me tell you about what God did for me? But instead, we live in a world where, where when something like, like what happened last week at the church in Texas or even the synagogue where the people were stabbed, when, when, uh, when, when things like that happen, we always have people that stand up and say, now where is God in all of this? We sometimes have people that stand up and say, uh, and they begin maybe to try to uh, connect the issues of the day with the gospel, but they do it in a really hateful and unloving way. And 
and, and, and they, uh, they have more of a turn or burn mentality and not a I want to help you understand who God is mentality uh, and, and their intentions are, 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 are well, um, but their methods are not well received. And so you have those people when these things happen. You also have some people who stand up and lovingly try to share the gospel. They try to say, hey guys, let's, let's, let's take a step back here and let's think about this and, and, and let me share with you why God loves you. But majority of Christians, the majority of us, we just kind of hold back. We don't, when things like that happen, we're afraid to say anything. And the reason why we're afraid to say anything is, number one, we're afraid of being asked a question that we don't know the answer to. But number two, we're also afraid that somebody's going to take that tragic event and use it as ammunition against the gospel. They'll argue, they'll say, if God is real, then why would he let people die in a church during communion? But you know, the same thing could have been said of Paul. Because the Apostle Paul, when he's writing 2 Timothy, this is the last epistle that he's going to write. This was written probably the same year, definitely within months uh, of it, but probably even the same year that he was executed. And why was he executed? Why was he in prison? Did he kill somebody? Did he... Did he maim somebody? Did he rob somebody? Did he mistreat somebody? No, he didn't do any of that. He preached the gospel. He did what God told him to do. He was a man of genuine faith. And yet his government stood against that, so they arrested him and eventually executed him. And so when he's writing to Timothy, this last thing he says, and this last, not the very last thing he says, but then this last letter that he writes, he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel and don't be ashamed of me in prison. You see, he knew that there would be people who would come to Timothy and say, oh, God's real, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, God of love, uh-huh. What happened to your, the guy that discipled you? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah, that's right, he got his head cut off, okay. Yeah, so tell me how God is, is love now. Tell me how God is real now. Paul said, don't let that detract you from sharing the gospel. Listen, here, here's, what I, here's one thing I want you to understand. You have to understand that you cannot let the circumstances of this world abolish the testimony of the gospel from your lips or from your life. Do not let the circumstances of this world, and it could be the world as a whole, or your world is in where you live. Whether it's bad things, you know, going on globally, or some big uh, tragedy that is highly publicized, or the most private of of uh, struggles that you would have in your personal life, whatever it is. You cannot let that, those circumstances, whatever they are, abolish the testimony of the gospel from your lips. Now, I'm not saying that it can abolish the gospel. Nothing can abolish the gospel. But what it can do is it can eliminate the testimony of the gospel from our lips. And Paul is telling Timothy, you can 
not let that happen. See, when the Apostle Paul says, don't be ashamed of me, the prisoner, he was given a command, but he was given a testimony himself. He was given a testimony that he trusted God. He was given a testimony that, 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 he, that he was confident in God's plan and that he understood that he did what God called him to do. And no matter the outcome, even if it ended in his untimely death, that he had done what God had called him to do and he knew that he was in the will of God and he had fulfilled his God-created purpose. You see, we have to be sure that the gospel, the message of the gospel does not leave our lips. Let me give you a few reasons why. The gospel, number one, tells us that God is real. The gospel tells us that God is love. The gospel tells us that God is forgiving. And the gospel tells us that God has, has a purpose for us. It tells about God's purpose for us, but nowhere in the gospel does it ever say that you will not suffer on this earth. In fact, in this same book, 2 Timothy, if you go over to chapter 3, uh, Paul says, in fact, all those, in verse 12, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See, the gospel does not promise a life apart from suffering. But it does promise a life beyond the suffering. It doesn't promise a life apart from suffering, but, but a life beyond the suffering. The, the gospel is essential to understanding who we are and why we are here and how we are to move forward. And that's where the next part of this passage kind of comes into play here. Um, looking here at verse 9, Paul begins talking about, about our past and who we are. In verse 9 he says, He talking about God has saved us. He has called us with a holy calling. And he says, Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Where did I come from? Why am I here? These are these are, 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 are things that are answered in the gospel message. Listen, the, the Word of God does not teach, by the way, it does not teach that, uh, that, that, that your life is a result of billions of years of macroevolution. It does not teach that you exist as a result of random processes that somehow defying mathematical odds over and over and over again, those random processes that cannot be replicated today, by the way, just so you know, cannot be replicated, but somehow led to your random existence on this planet. You know, that's what the world teaches. That's what we teach our kids in school. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches that before time began, God had a plan for you. You're not random. You, you're part of God's plan and you're part of His purpose. The scripture teaches us that you are here for a reason. The gospel teaches us about the origins of our past. It teaches us about who we are, but it also teaches us about our purpose. So, so, so where did we come from? But now, why are we here? 
Well, it says again in verse 9, not according to our works, but according to His purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul tells Timothy not to be ashamed of his testimony of the gospel about how Jesus had saved him. He told him, don't, don't be afraid to tell people that they can be right with their Creator because it's through Jesus that you can be saved. You, you know, a lot of times we focus on the fact that we are saved from something. We talk a lot about God, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We're saved from sin. We're saved from death. We're saved from hell. We're saved from punishment. And all of that is true. But let us not ignore that we also are saved for something. You're not just saved from something. You are also saved for something. You're saved for a reason. According to the purpose and grace of God given in Christ Jesus before you ever existed. Before time began. So what's that mean? That means that before creation, before Genesis 1-1, it's God existed. God is the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and end. Everything must have an origin. Every, everything in nature. But see, God is supernatural. And He is the only, He exists outside of nature. He is the creator of nature. And so He is the origin of all things. It teaches us that in heaven... When God decided to create man, because God is all-knowing and He exists outside time and space, He knew how it was all going to play out. He, he understood what was going to happen. He didn't choose for the world to sin, but He knew the world would sin. And He knew when He created humanity, He knew right then that He Himself, through the person of Jesus, would have to come down onto this earth to suffer and die and to pay the penalty for our sin. He knew that humanity would need a Savior. And according to His purpose, He created us. He knew what would happen. But He created you anyway. You know why? Because He wants to save you and He wants to, to use you. Not in a bad way, but He wants, he wants to work through you, okay? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. This is consistent. You're not saved by works, but you, when you're saved, you're not just saved from sin, but you are saved to serve God. You are saved to worship Him. You are saved to live for Him. And He has a specific purpose for you. Folks, listen, you need to understand your purpose in life. Because anything that does not fulfill its purpose has not yet succeeded. I remember when they first created iPhones. Uh, I, had, um, well, I, had a, I had one of those little, uh, had a little flip phone for a while. And there was a, sort of a, uh, an in-between step. There was a, these blackberries 
And then I had a, um, it wasn't a Blackberry, I can't, but Blackjack, Samsung Blackjack. And then, uh, and then the iPhone came out, and boy, I mean, I, was, I could not wait to get an iPhone. And, and I saw all the media stuff it could do, I mean, way better than a Blackberry and a Blackjack. Everybody was so excited about the little iPhones and all the media capabilities. And you could listen to like all this music. You could take music and make it your ringtone. All my friends had the Arkansas Razorback theme song, the fight song is their ringtone. And you know, you could take pictures and videos and you could text videos and text pictures. I mean, it was like this was like a new awakening of technology. And everybody was excited about it. And, and eventually I got one. And, uh, and boy, I loved all the media stuff you could do. I mean, you could do so much stuff. Get on the internet, surf the web. You could do all this stuff. But if you drove around very much uh, in those days with those early iPhones, you realized that they didn't hop towers very well. So when you were, we were on the phone with somebody... Uh, you know, back in those days, you know, sometimes you could even hold it up to your ear. Maybe you had a Bluetooth device, but you'd be driving down the road and you come out of one cell tower range and the phones are made to hop from tower to tower. And those early iPhones, they just didn't do that very well. You'd be, you'd, you'd be driving down the road and your car would drop. I mean, your call would drop. And, 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 and not your car, but your call. Um, that would be bad, wouldn't it? So your, your, your call would drop, and, and, and they eventually fixed that bug. They're a lot better now. Uh, if, you know, if you're somewhere where, you have, where there's good reception, uh, you know, you, it's a lot better to, to, uh, to transition from tower to tower now. But here's why they fixed that. Because they understood that the novelty of all the media and all the gadgets and all the stuff would wear off if they couldn't get that thing to fulfill its primary function. It wasn't an iPad, it was an iPhone. It wasn't just a tablet. It was supposed to be, first and foremost, primarily exist and serve the purpose of a phone. Listen, you want to find out how to experience joy and fulfillment in this world, you need to find your God-given purpose. You want to succeed at what you were put on this earth to do? Find your purpose. So there, there's people all over the world that are, that are miserable. They're depressed. They're, uh, they're, they're in, uh, in, in the midst of, of, of many difficult situations. Even, but, but even some of them, uh, you know, they may be financially successful. They may have all the success according to the world, but still they're going to look around and think, is this, is this all there is? And the reason is because often for a lot of those people, although they've pursued financial success, they've never pursued spiritual success, and they have never uh, learned and pursued their God-created purpose. If you're not going to fulfill your purpose in life, it's going to be hard to feel and experience fulfillment from God. Adrian Rogers talks about this. He, he talked about uh, a fish, you know, swimming around in the water and how it swims so easily. And, and sometimes they jump up out of the water for a few seconds, 
Go back in the water. You know, that's how y'all know sometimes where to cast that reel. And they, they jump up and it doesn't seem to hurt them. But you take that fish that jumps up every once in a while, goes back in the water. You take that same fish and, uh, and, and you put it up in a tree. And it may not die in a split second, but it won't last very long. The reason is because the fish was not created to live outside of the water. People say, well, well, look at me. Look at all the financial success I've had. Look at all the success I've had in the business world. Well, that's great. How, how's your life at home? Hey, hey, look at me. I can, I can play this sport. I have this skill. That's awesome. That's great. How is that being utilized for the kingdom of Christ and to better and to further the message of the gospel? Some people say, well, well, well hey, you know, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a young adult. I, I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Eh, you're just not talking to me. No, you may even have success right now in whatever you're doing. But, but, but how, how is your life today preparing you for who God wants you to be tomorrow? How are you serving God with your today? How are you honoring Him? What is your purpose? Who are you serving? What are you serving? I think really the question ultimately is, do you trust God? Do you trust God? A lot of people don't trust God because they don't understand the character of God. Even a lot of believers. I mean, they come to Christ. They say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I accept Him as my Lord and my Savior. And, and they really believe that. But, you know... Their life just seems to ebb and flow and, and, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of consistency to their faith. Part of it is that they've never really taken the time to learn the character of God. you got to learn the character of God. And because if you learn the character of God, then, then, then when things happen and you don't understand the heart of God, then you can be confident when you understand the hand of God, you can be confident in the heart of God, okay? So when things happen and, 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 and you're not sure why God let things happen this way or why things are happening this way or that way, I don't understand why God's hand would do it this way. But if you have gotten to know the character of God, then you'll know enough to trust His heart. This passage tells us about our past, Tells us about our purpose, and the last thing it tells us about is our power source. Look at verses 10 through 12. This is how, or this now, has been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has abolished life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay? It, it, it's, it, it's, it's fulfilled. By Jesus. Jesus is the one that abolished death. Jesus is the one that has brought us from life to death. Jesus is the one who gives us the promise of immortality. He will guide you. He's the one that will guard you. He was the one that will protect you in order to complete your purpose. That's why uh, Paul ends this passage in verse 12. He says, But I am not ashamed. Again, talking about the gospel. Because I know the one I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to guard what he has entrusted to me until that day. Listen, friends, I want to encourage you not to be 
ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is our access to God. The gospel message is a message that God loved us, that he sent his son to die for us, not only because he is a real God, because he is a loving, merciful, gracious God. And he wants a relationship with you. I wonder if there's anyone in here today, as we've talked about this gospel, I wonder if there's anyone in here today that the truth of your heart would be, hey, I've heard that before, but I don't know that I've ever really opened my heart to that. I don't know that I've ever really, ever really put my faith and my trust in God because of that. I don't know if I've ever really accepted the message of the gospel. Then you can do that here this morning. I would love to talk to you. Because the gospel message is a message for you. But for the rest of us, if you've received the gospel message, then you should strive to live a life that is consistent with the faith that you claim to have. Paul says, don't be ashamed of your testimony because people need to hear and see the evidence of the power of God. Don't be afraid to tell others about what God has done for you and through you. Don't be ashamed, but instead rely on the power of God. Let's pray.